So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Come and See Inspirations. And this the fifth Sunday in Ordinary Time. It's the 5th of February. My name is John Kelly, and help me again to present the programme, Shane Ambrose. Good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, John. How are we today? I tell you, that's that, that cool voice that the man just swans into the studio as if nothing's ever going to happen, and he's all got it all under control. We'll soon see about that. Anyway, as again, my name is John Keeley. Thanks again, Shane, for joining me. And I know you'll join me in welcoming those listeners, different parts of the world, who are housebound, lonely, and struggling in some way. And we know they are because they're in contact with us by email. Thank you indeed for that, and thank you for your prayer support. Just to remind us again, uh, our podcast platform, come and see inspirations.buzzbread.com. Just Google come and see inspirations. You'll find us there. We're on Spotify, iTunes, and also we do have a presence on Facebook. That's come and see inspirations. Uh, we do also ha- still have a, a presence on sacred space, 102.blogspot.com. That's our old um, pl- blog platform that Shane used to maintain there for um, a number of years, nearly 10 years, up to a few years ago before we started Come and See Inspirations. Again, if you just Google Cummins uh, Sacred Space 102, you'll find us there. And on this podcast, we discuss uh, faith topics, uh, inspirational music we have. We also reflect on the Sunday Gospel. And we also interview various people uh, on a faith topic. And today will be no exception, but we'll speak about that in a few minutes. If you want to contact us, please do so by emailing Come and See Inspirations at gmail.com. That's come and see inspirations at gmail.com. Now we'll hand over to the guru himself, the cool dude, who's going to tell us all about Saints for the Week. I don't know about that now, Mr. Keeley, this morning. We'll just have to wait and see. As John said at the top of the podcast, today is the fifth Sunday in Ordinary Time. For those of us looking at the Psalter, we're on week one. And uh, today, being the 5th of February, would normally be the feast day of St. Agatha, Virgin and Martyr, but she's not celebrated this year as the Sunday takes precedence. Monday is the 6th of February, and on the liturgical calendar, it is the feast day of St. Paul, Miki and Companions, otherwise known as the Martyrs of Nagasaki in Japan. They were six Franciscans, 17 Franciscan tertiaries and three Jesuits, who were martyred in 1597. And if I'm not mistaken, John, that film that was made a number of years ago, Silence, I think, is about their story as well and how people, they were they, they were tortured by trying to be forced to apostatize for the faith. Tuesday is the 7th of February and it is the feast day on the Irish calendar of St. Mel. Mel died in 488. He is said to have been a Briton who came to Ireland with St. Patrick, with whom he worked until he was ordained in Arda. He is one of the earliest Irish saints, and by tradition he gave the religious veil to St. Bridget. So basically took her vows as a consecrated virgin. Wednesday, the 8th of February, is the feast day of St. Josephine Bachita. Now, Josephine is um, she's a Sudanese saint, she was born to a wealthy Sudanese family, but she was kidnapped and put into slavery at the age of nine. Now, she was born in 1868. It's not that long ago. She's from Darfur. And she, when she was put into slavery, she was given the name Bachita. She was sold and resold in the markets of El Obayid and Khartoum before being purchased in 1883 by the Italian consul who planned to free her. She accompanied their family to Italy in 1885 and worked as a nanny for the family. A nanny, a nanny, I should say, I beg your pardon. 
And as she converted, she was a late, she was an adult convert to Christianity and she joined, she was baptized in 1890, where she took the name of Josephine as a symbol of her new life. She entered the religious congregation in Venice in 1893, taking her vows in 1896. And she was regarded as being a gentle presence and her willingness to help with any menial task were a comfort to the poor and suffering who came to the door of the convent. And she died in 1947, actually. In addition to celebrating her feast day, it also happens to be the International Day of Prayer and Awareness Against Human Trafficking, which was first observed in 2015. And around... Each year, around two and a half million people are victims of trafficking and slavery. And uh, it's quite a very lucrative, illegal trade. Um, So throughout the day of prayer, we're asked to reflect on the experience of those who have suffered, but also to reach out to those who are victims. Thursday is the 9th of February, and it is the feast day of Blessed Francesco Sanchez Marchese, or Marquez, I think is how you pronounce him. The eldest of four children in a rural peasant family, he was baptised at five days old, originally from, he was born in uh, Malaga in Spain, grew up tending the sheep and goats. He became a Capuchin monk in Granada at the age of 33. He was born in 1866, so this is what, 1899. After hearing the preaching of some Capuchin friars, he wore the cowl for over 56 years and he served as a beggar for his house, roaming the city asking for donations and uh, known for his piety and his wisdom. He was beatified, sorry, he died in 1956, and he was beatified by Benedict XVI in 2010. Um, The celebration was held in Granada, actually, as it happens. Friday the 10th of February is the feast day of St. Scholastica. Scholastica, of course, is famous for being uh, the brother, or the sister even, of uh, her brother uh, Benedict, as in he of the Benedictine order. Uh, She died around 543 AD, and uh, she spent her life, she was was his twin, actually, and she led a community of, of, of religious at Monte Cassino near where Benedict was himself, uh, she was she was seen as a consecrated virgin, and she's the patron saint. A number of patronages, actually. Um, she's a patron saint against or for convulsive children, so children that suffer from epilepsy and those types of those types of illnesses. Uh, she's a patron saint against storms, rain, and lightning. Now, the reason for that one is one of the days um, Benedict was supposed to be visiting his sister, and it came for time for him to leave to be back. Uh, to in time for you know the rules of of the order or the the house that he was in, and uh, he was getting up to go, and it seems his sister said a prayer that she wanted him to stay on for another bit, and a storm erupted over their heads. So interesting one. Mm. So that's Scholastica, whose feast day we celebrate on the tenth of February. On the eleventh of February, of course, it is the feast day. It's a big one. It's the feast day of Our Lady of Lourdes, and it also is the World Day of Prayer for the Sick. Um, which was set up by John Paul II in 1992. 
The Feast of Our Lady of Lourdes arises because it's from the 11th, the 11th of February was the first appearance to Bernadette in uh, Lourdes in 1858. And of course, as we know, there was a number of apparitions to Bernadette throughout that year. And later, Bernadette was to learn that the mysterious lady was the Blessed Virgin and to hear from her lips, I am the Immaculate Conception. So as, of course, in Limerick, there is a great devotion to Our Lady of Lourdes with the Dawson pilgrimage held each year. Although last year it didn't travel, but we're hoping it'll go this year. The 11th of February on the Irish calendar also has the Feast of St. Gubnet. She's a saint associated very much with West Cork and in particular with Ballyvorney. Uh, there isn't a whole lot in terms of official documentation about her. We mainly have the traditions associated with her in that particular part of the world, uh, which has a very deep devotion to her and has a pilgrimage to the present time. She is also associated with caring and curing the ill. Um, which has been a part of the traditions associated with her down through the centuries. And obviously, of course, it's fortuitous that her feast day also happens to fall on the World Day for the Sick. So, John, that's what we have in terms of the liturgical odds and ends for next week. Now, we're still a couple of weeks out before the start of Lent. Ash Wednesday is the 22nd of uh, February. Uh, but Knock has a couple of things up in terms of news events that are happening at the present time. So I always recommend people just to check in and to see what's happening on the website, knockshrine.ie. A couple of things that caught our eyes at the moment is there is um, there's a screening of the film, The Letter, A Message for Our Earth on Friday, Saturday, on Saturday the 11th. Uh, which is taking place at the prayer centre. So if anybody's around in that neck of the woods. On the 25th of February, there's a workshop actually with Father Dennis McBride, uh, which has been held in the Blessed Sacrament Chapel there as well. So if people wanted to uh, register for that and to attend. And just to draw attention as well, that uh, Dijani Kineda, who we had on before Christmas for an interview, and who some of you may have seen during the week on that program about St. Bridget. Anyway, she's having a retreat day on the 1st of April. Now, that's Holy Week for those that want to pay attention. I'd just like to draw listeners' attention to an upcoming Lenten program that's uh, taking place uh, online. Um, it starts actually the 27th of February, continues on to the 3rd of April. Monday evenings here in Ireland, 7.30pm to 9pm. The program will include meditation, scripture, music, creative writing and prayer recital. The program also includes a one-day online retreat on Holy Saturday, the 8th of April. The cost is €120. Euros. As I said, it's online. More information, uh, just email info at ruarest.com. That's info at R-U-A-H-R-E-S-T, all one word, ruarest.com. So with that in mind, we might go for a prayer space maybe at this point. Um, there's, a, there's a morning prayer that we often use here in the program and I might just use that one this morning. God of my life, I welcome this new day. It's your gift to me, a new creation, a promise of resurrection. I thank you for the grace of being alive this morning. I thank you for the sleep that's refreshed me. I thank you for the chance to make a new beginning. This day, Lord, is full of promise and opportunity. Let me waste none of it. This day is full of mystery and the unknown. Help me to face it without fear or anxiety. This day is blessed with beauty and adventure. Make me fully alive to it. During this day, keep me thoughtful, prayerful and kind. May I be courteous and helpful to others. Not tending to myself, 
keep me, keep me from any word or deed that would hurt, belittle, or destroy. And may the thoughts of my mind be pleasing in your sight. When night comes again, may I look back on this day with no grievance or bitterness in my heart. And may nobody be unhappy because of anything I have done or anything I failed to do. Lord, bless this day for me and for everyone. Make it a day in which we grow to have the mind of Christ, your Son. Lord Jesus Christ, friend and brother, make me know you more clearly, love you more nearly, day by day. Amen. Now, just before we go for the first bit of music, um, Shane, would you like to introduce the guests that we have on part two of our podcast today, please? So, um, in part two of the podcast today, we are going to be joined by Pat Kenny. No, not that Pat Kenny. (laughs) (laughs) No, this is Pat Kenny. He is the president of the Father Willie Doyle Association. And he is going to speak to us about the opening of the formal opening of the cause of uh, uh, Father Willie Doyle SJ and telling us his story and what example Willie Doyle offers to us uh, in the modern world. Willie, of course, was a chaplain that died uh, during the First World War. So Pat will be talking to us after the break. And that'll be followed actually by a piece of music, um, probably appropriate enough after that story. It's entitled, You Will Be My Witnesses. It's the other vocation song, and it's sung by Patricia Burke. But in the meantime, uh, it was uh, the Feast of St. Bridget here in Ireland during the week. We said to pick a little um, hymn. Yes, and just for our, just for our international listeners, um, so St. Bridget's Day was always the 1st of February, but uh, it's gotten a little bit more mm-hmm. Um, emphasis this year in Ireland because the government have now decided to attach a public holiday to it. Uh, so, And it'll be the first Monday of February will be the St. Bridget's Bank holiday unless the first happens to fall of a Friday. Uh, so it's an interesting one because, of course, Bridget is one of those saints that, you know, she could be looked at in through many lenses. The question being, mm-hmm. was she a Christian saint or a Celtic goddess or a druidess and, and all the rest of it and all that goes in between. We're not going to get into that this morning. But we believe that it was her first, is her first day, is her feast day, excuse me. And the 1st of February, regardless of what our government decides. Yes, indeed, indeed, indeed. So with that in mind, we'll, we'll play a hymn to St. Bridget and come back and join us again in part two, where, as Shane said, we'll be joined by Pat Kenny.
And welcome back to part two of our podcast this morning. And we are delighted to welcome to the programme Pat Kenny, who is the president of the Father Willie Doyle Association. Good morning, Pat, and welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Good morning. Great to talk to you, Pat. And uh, actually, it's a welcome back to the podcast. Uh, we had you on uh, on Sacred Space back in 2017 when you had brought out, I think you'd brought out a book at that stage. That's right. And if you were to ask me when that was, I would have said it was about two years ago. So that's how, how quickly time goes. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a book called To Raise the Fallen, which was a selection of war letters, prayers and spiritual writings of Father Willie Doyle the famous uh, Jesuit military chaplain of the First World War. And it is the re- and it is that same man that we are bringing you back to speak to us about this morning because when you were on to us at that stage we were telling people the story of this, this of this wonderful man a brave man and uh, things have progressed ever so slightly in terms of life ecclesial since then. And of course, with the big news in uh, November, October in 2022, with the official opening of the cause for his canonization. That's right. I mean, that was a great event and, and great news. And in fact, it's the first time that a, a cause has been opened in Ireland since 1996. Frank Duff was the last time a cause was, was open in Ireland. And of course, many people have worked and prayed to see Father Willie Doyle's cause open. So it's a, it's a great joy to me um, and a great joy to many people, both in Ireland and around the world, to see Father Willie's cause being opened. And it's also historic for another reason. And that's that the Father Willie Doyle Association is the official petitioner or the official actor, it's called, uh, behind the cause. So it's the association that's responsible for promoting it for uh, paying the bills as well and for for, uh, getting it through the various processes involved. And it's the first time a lay association has been formed to do that in Ireland. Normally it's a religious order, it's a diocese or a parish, whereas in this instance, it's the Father Willie Doyle Association and it's being done through the Diocese of Meath. So we put in a formal petition to the Diocese of Meath to open the cause. And uh, thanks be to God, Bishop Tom Deenan has agreed to do that. So, yes, indeed. Now, uh, but obviously, getting back to the the, 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 the the kernel of the matter, of course, at the centre is Father Willie Doyle himself. And I suppose, uh, Pat, for people that may not have heard about him before, could you give us a small bit of an introduction? Yeah, so Father Willie Doyle was born 150 years ago this year uh, in 1873 in March. And he was born in Dawkey. Uh, he, he was the youngest of seven children. Uh, grew up in a fairly comfortable uh, late Victorian family, um, but he was renowned from an early age for his uh, charity towards the poor, his kindness towards others. He entered the Jesuits in 1891 and was ordained in 1907 alongside Blessed John Sullivan. And he spent the first seven or so years of his time as a priest on the Jesuit mission team, which meant that he travelled around Ireland and also the UK to a certain extent, preaching missions and retreats. And in fact, interestingly, he was based in Limerick when he was doing that. That's the Jesuit house in which he was he was based. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote a number of best-selling pamphlets about the priesthood and about religious life. And he was fairly well known uh, when the First World War broke out. Um, and at that point, he volunteered to be a chaplain. He was ex- volunteered in 1914, accepted in 1915 and went over uh, and was with the men uh, at some of the major battles, the Battle of the Somme, the Battle of Messine Ridge. And finally, he was killed in the Battle of Passchendaele in August 1917. And there's a few interesting points about that. Number one, he was trying to rescue 
Anglican soldiers from Northern Ireland when he was killed. So that kind of marks him out as, a, as an ecumenical martyr of charity that he laid down his life to save these men. He also laid down his life in reparation for the sins of priests. Uh, we find that's one of the very last things that he wrote in his, his diary. He offered up all his suffering and even his life itself in reparation for the sins of priests. So there's a lot of very topical aspects there. Um, after he died, his private papers and diaries were found back in a in a house in a Jesuit house in Dublin. And those who read it were really stunned at what they read, because what it revealed is that he was a mystic. He lived a life of incredible holiness, incredible prayer, incredible self-denial. Um, he would spend all nights in prayer, even in the war, in the trenches when he, he could have been could have been resting. Uh, so the man was absolutely tireless in, in his work uh, and his care for others. A famous biography was written about him in, I think it was 1920, that it was published just a couple of years after he died. Uh, that was translated into a lot of the major languages of the world, and it inspired several canonized saints, including Mother Teresa of Calcutta, uh, who was influenced by Father Willie and other saints as well. And by the early 1930s, the Jesuits in Ireland had received over 6,000 letters alleging favours through Father Willie Doyle's intercession. So there was a really major devotion, indeed a global devotion, because those letters came from almost every part of the world. So that's a, a very, very brief summary of his story. And uh, I suppose it jumps forward 70 or 80 years now to the point at which his cause has been opened. And Pat, can I ask a question? What prompted your own interest in the story of Willie Doyle? Yeah, so a friend had recommended I read the original biography of him, the one published in 1920. It was written by Alfred O'Reilly. And when I read the book, I was, I mean, I'm, I'm not a historian. I had no particular interest in the First World War, but I did have an interest in saints. I have an interest in saints. I mean, I, I think it's really important for us to study the lives of saints because they're interesting, both from an historical point of view, a psychological point of view, but also a spiritual point of view. And I think we can learn a lot, especially if they're well written. They're not always well written, of course, mm -hmm. but when they're well written, they're 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 excellent. And I was just blown away by this book. And I just thought to myself, well, you know, surely this man's cause has been opened. I've never heard of him. And I investigated and looked and his his cause um had never been opened. And uh, through a variety of of circumstances I ended up setting up a website about him. Uh, and then gradually I was invited to give talks about him to to give interviews about him, the opportunity to work on the book to raise the fallen came up in advance of his centenary in 2017. Uh, so gradually and organically, things have grown from there. And in terms of, I suppose, you know, looking at what you said from a historical, psychological, and spiritual spirituality point of view, if we take each of those, you know, is there one thing you would say for each of those that maybe Father Willie Doyle presents to us? in, you know, 2023 today? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, if I take the spiritual thing, what I would say is that, look, we don't have time to go into his spiritual life, which would be, you know, one level very complex, another level very simple. I mean, there's a great depth there to his his spiritual life. He left a lot of private diaries and also a lot of writings and letters. Um, so in the various books and also on the website of the Father Willie Doyle Association, you can, you can find a lot of that information. Um, and that website is willydoyle.org for anyone who wants to to look it up. Um, if I was to pick an aspect of a spiritual life, I would say it, it was generosity. He lived the virtue of generosity in an incredible way. And just two examples of that. Um, I mean, obviously, he laid down his life to save others. Fine. But, you know, what else did he do during his life? You know, we sometimes 
we realize, look, if we offer up our life, that, that suffering is over. It's kind of glorious and heroic. What what other things did he do that maybe didn't draw attention and show generosity? So, for instance, on one on one night, he was in a dugout in the trench. There's a little hole in, inside of the wall of the trench with the doctor. And it's cold, it's damp. They didn't have anything on the ground. Uh, it's a horrible time of year. I suppose a bit like now in the middle of winter. And the doctor was sick with a fever. So they didn't have any blankets, didn't have anything dry to lie on the ground. And Father Willie Doyle lay face down on the damp ground and insisted that the doctor lay on his back so that the doctor would have somewhere warm to lie when he was sick. Now, uh, could I say I would do that? I'd love to say I would do it, but I I don't know that I would, to be honest. So to me, that's an incredible act of generosity and something I just learned because there's always so much more to learn about the man. I just learned recently uh, he he had 10 days leave from the war in, in June 1916. He was almost killed in April 1916 in a gas attack where he swallowed some poison gas. Um, but he survived, uh, but almost killed. And he had 10 days leave, uh, including travel time. So he had to get back from northern France back to Ireland. Probably took at least 24 hours. In the remaining time that he had, when he could and perhaps legitimately should have been resting at home and recuperating, he travelled down to Cork to give a retreat to a convent of nuns. And I don't know how long that retreat was, but it was at least three days and probably more. And that, you know, there wasn't a shortage of priests in those days, but that just struck me what incredible zeal the man had that when he was even on his break and his rest and well needed and well deserved, he was still out doing apostolic work. So um, that's that's an incredible testimony to to his, his, his generosity. On the psychological point of view, I think really important as well, because he had and he was 20 years of age, a nervous breakdown when the novitiate building went on fire. And uh, here you find him 20 years later, recognized by everyone as a hero. OK, and that's part of the historical thing as well. If you pick up any book about the Irish in World War One, almost certainly Father Willie Doyle is there because he was a major figure amongst the Irish involvement in World War One because he wrote numerous letters home to his father. And they're a really valuable first-hand account of what it was like for the Irish soldiers in the First World War. And uh, he won the Military Cross for his bravery. Uh, he was he was nominated for the Victoria Cross. So he was renowned by everyone for his bravery. And yet 20 years previously, he'd had a nervous breakdown when a building went on fire. So it's a story of remarkable transformation and remarkable hope at a time in our history when so many people, especially young people, suffer from anxiety, depression, uh, we have a greater awareness of mental health issues now than we had in the past. Um, and I think that's another really important contemporary point about Father Willie. He's a sign of hope, but also an intercessor for those who maybe suffer from mental health anxieties and depression. I find it interesting, actually, that he was effectively a classmate of Blessed John Sullivan as well. And interesting that both of them were... I'm um, oh, sorry, did you, say, did you say that Willie was a convert from Anglicanism or he was born a Catholic? No, he was born a Catholic. Oh, he, was he was born, born a Catholic. Catholic. Yeah. Uh, John Sullivan was was the, mm. was the convert. But yeah, they were ordained together on the same day. That's an interesting one. Um, one of the things I find, I suppose, slightly um, sad in some respects, and I, I sent him to correction on this, Pat, but my understanding is we don't know where his remains are. Correct. Yeah, his body was never found. Um, we know approximately where, where he was killed. Uh, there is a... a, a um, is mentioned in Tynecott Memorial uh, on a plaque there, but uh, we don't know where his body is. Um, I mean, it may have been discovered and buried in an unknown grave. We just we just don't know. What we do know, however, is is 
that some, some men found his his body after he was killed. They made a note of of where it was. They removed some buttons from his uniform and a pioneer pin that he was wearing. And they went back later on to retrieve the body and it was gone. And so we don't know what happened in the meantime. It could be that some people found a body and buried it and there's no record of it. It could be that it was hit by another shell and destroyed entirely. We 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 just don't know. Um, but it is interesting that we have those artifacts and we, our relics even now at this point. And we have other other relics, we have other items that, that he owned, uh, including parts of his, his uniform, his crucifix, etc. And one of the things we want to do at the Father Willie Doyle Association is to bring them around for people to see them. So we want to get out and, and travel around the country, give talks about Father Willie, introduce people to Father Willie, distribute our prayer card to Father Willie and our brochures and uh, let people see these, these relics. And indeed, uh, for people to pray to him if they have needs, uh, if they need his help with anything. Um, certainly there are people all around the world praying to him. Uh, every day requests for prayer cards come in and we send them out around the world. Um, I mean, certainly a lot in Ireland and the UK, but certainly a lot in the US, Canada, South America. Uh, and even Japan recently a request came in from, which was really interesting. Um, and reports of favours through his intercession as well. So we want to get out and meet people um, and if people want to be blessed by his crucifix, that's something we can we can help with as well. In terms of the process that's going to happen now, um, Pat, in terms of like, so in, in, in was it October, November, Bishop Dinahan formally opened the process and from, you know, from Correct. the canonical point of view. And so what what happens next? So what happens next is um, his writings are studies, studied by theologians, his, his published writings. His All his writings are, stu- are studied by an historical commission. Mm-hmm. And then there's a tribunal within the diocese. And the tribunal, it's, it's somewhat simpler in an ancient case like this, where nobody is alive who knew the candidate. So if, if this had happened 50, 60 years ago and there were people alive who knew Father Willie, they would have to be interviewed. But there's nobody alive who knew him. Even uh, even within the Jesuits, no, not within, no, no one okay. alive, no okay. one alive. There are people alive who knew people who knew him, yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but no one alive who actually knew him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, some people will be interviewed, but it's a it's a shorter process with an older cause like this. Mm-hmm. And presuming all of that goes well, that the theologians approve of his writings um, and the historical commission and tribunal do their work, and it it gets approved and passes on from the diocese of Meath, then it goes to Rome. Um, to the dicastery for the causes of saints. And at that point, a what's called a positio was written, which is a large and complex document detailing his life, his virtues. Um, and that gets studied by another panel of historians and theologians. And uh, if they approve that uh, and they agree that he lived a life of heroic virtue, then he is given the title of venerable. So currently he's servant of God, Father Willie Doyle. Um, and uh, if he's approved, he will become venerable. And then it's a matter of waiting for a miracle. And if there's one miracle that's that's approved, he can be beatified, becomes Blessed William Doyle or Blessed Willie Doyle. And then if there's a further miracle after that point, he can be canonized. Now, this is important for Ireland because, you know, we have so many saints, uh, but a lot of them are ancient saints. And we have a lot of really holy uh, men and women of, of recent times but very few have made it through to be canonized. And in fact, only one Irish person has been canonized in the last four, five, six hundred years. And that's St. Oliver Plunkett. We have a number who've been beatified, Columba Marmion, the Irish martyrs, Edmund Rice, uh, John Sullivan, uh, etc. But uh, we have a lot of candidates. 
Uh, but we're, you know, very determined to keep pushing Father Willie and encourage people to pray. And that's that's really uh, that's really the way to do it. You know, just pray for a miracle, report a miracle, report a favor if you get one. Go to the website. There's a lot of details there, willydoyle.org. And on that website, you can also request prayer cards, leaflets. If you want to contact us, there's an email address there. We're happy to come and talk at any parish or conference. And also, if anyone wants to donate because the process is not cheap and we have to pay for all of those costs but we trust in in divine providence to to help us to do that and trust in any listeners who want to help as well mm. um but uh yeah so it's a, it's a long and complex process it's it's not quick mm-hmm. um but we trust that this is what god wants because we've seen a lot of people roll in behind it and a lot of enthusiasm within the last couple of years. Indeed, as you said, there are a lot of causes and we've, we've covered those on, on the programme before, all the way up from, um, you know, Adele Quinn and Alfie Lamb up to yeah. Matt Talbot, Mary Aikenhead. Uh, yeah. There's quite yeah. a few out there and there another is. another one that will hopefully yeah. get pushed along yeah. now, of course, is yeah. the one now for Willie Doyle. And, um, and as you said, an interesting one. Um <clears throat> And, and I just just curious, uh, just curious, Pat, given the connection with the with the the Irish Fusiliers, the Royal Irish Fusiliers, um, is there also a connection with the still with the the chaplaincy for the either the British Army or the Irish Army, just in relation to the cause? Yes. So, I mean, there's a lot of interest there. He is the first uh, British Army chaplain to be proposed for canonization. And uh, the head chaplain of the British Army was at the opening of his cause. And I know there's a lot of support there, along with a lot of chaplains of the Irish Army as well. Mm. So there's a lot of enthusiasm there. Um, the vocation of a military chaplain is is a unique one, but, you know, it, it's a very valid and very important one because the priest should be there when people are in danger. We go out to the per- priests, go out to the peripheries to be with people in danger. And that's really like the front line is is the ultimate periphery of danger mm-hmm. to be with men as as they're dying. Indeed. So we're very excited about this cause. And I know a lot of people, a lot of priests in particular, are very enthused about this cause because this is a man who, who offered his life in reparation for the sins of priests and did so much in his life to promote vocations. And if I might mention one other thing, you mentioned other causes. Um, later this spring, uh, there's uh, another book I've edited with Father John Hogan, who is the postulator for the cause of Father Willie Doyle. And it is a collection of biographies of every Irish person whose canonization cause is currently open anywhere in the world. That book is is coming out uh, later in the spring. Um, it's, it will be called Remember the Rock from Which You Were Hewn. So it'll be, uh, I think it's coming out in April. Um, and it also has another section of uh, biographies of people who could potentially have causes opened. I think I think in total there's 42 chapters, but we had to we had to really cut the number because we really have a strong heritage of, and, and they're all recent, you know, they're all within... Mm-hmm last 100, 100, mostly within the last 100, 150 years, um, really inspiring people in that. We have, as you said, an abundance of witnesses and examples. And you know what, Pat, when that book comes out, you might come back to us and we'll have you on to talk it through again. It'll be, we'd be delighted to have you on the podcast. Love to do that. Yeah, perfect. Pat, thank you so much for a brief and a very quick introduction to Father Willie Doyle. As you said, <clears throat> excuse me, the, if people want to find out more information, they want to get involved in promoting his cause, they want to request prayer cards and notify of favours received, it is the Father Willie Doyle Association website. And the, the address again, Pat, is... It's willydoyle.org. Willydoyle.org. And we'll also include that in the podcast. There's a link for those that want to link through. Pat Kenny, President of the Father Willie Doyle Association. We're delighted to have you on the podcast this morning. And we hope to be talking to you again sometime in the near future. Great. Thanks a million.
Sharing my word, and as you spread. 
So welcome back again to the third part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, still joined by Shane Ambrose. This is the point of our podcast here where we read and reflect on the Sunday Gospel. Before that, we'll invite Shane again to pray this prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thanks, Shane. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word which you inspired in your prophets. <clears throat> May we approach this word reverently, attentively and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us, so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed, nor our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. So the Gospel for today, taken from the Gospel of Matthew again, chapter 5, verse 13 to 16. Jesus said to his disciples, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt becomes tasteless, what can make it salty again? It's good for nothing. It can only be thrown out to be trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hilltop cannot be hidden. No one lights up a lamp to put it under a tub. They put it on the lampstand, where it shines for everyone in the house. In the same way, your light must shine in the sight of men, so that seeing your good works, they give, might give praise to God, to, to our Father in heaven. So that's the Gospel for this week, for the fifth Sunday in Ordinary Time. Shane, have you got a thought you might want to share with us, please? Um... The Gospel this week, I suppose, we're continuing with Matthew and we're delving deeper into the Sermon on the Mount. I think actually we're going to have the, the, the extracts of the Gospel for the next couple of weeks actually is taken from that section in Matthew's Gospel, Chapter 5, which is the Sermon on the Mount. I think we have it pretty much all the way up until the beginning of Lent. Um, <clears throat> now, this week's Gospel is those two great expressions, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. And I suppose... I suppose there's a couple of things. I suppose the first thing in terms of the salt one, like salt, of course, at the time was an extremely important commodity. It was the only way of preserving food in in that part of the world before refrigeration was invented. Um, So and it's it's important for cooking, for preservation. And we need it for life. You know, you need a certain amount of salt in your blood. Uh, for the body to function as well. Now, of course, the problem is more often than not, most of us today, we've too much salt in our blood, mm. which is part of the problem. But um, I suppose it's, an, it's, it's one thing to think about with salt. You know, when you put it into food, it's invisible, it's pervasive. Uh, you need it to bring out, it's a flavour enhancer. It's generally why you would add salt to it. But it's so easy to also go over the edge with it. So salt becomes bitter and corrosive. And can damage. So if you think about it, if you're driving an old car, uh, not a modern one, which is all the plastic, but if you have a proper old car that has a metal chassis or metal Mm -hmm. doors and you're driving along the roads that have been gritted, you have to be careful because, of course, the salt will start corroding, um, start corroding the body of the car. So <clears throat> I suppose the, 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 the idea, I suppose, just in thinking about it is it's, it's first of all, it's a very much a personal question. You are the salt <coughs> of the earth. So to think about that yourself, how is it that you bring the Christian flavor to the world that you live in? Um, I think is the question that we would have to pose to ourselves kind of this week, week reflecting on the gospel. 
Now, just as an aside, actually, for anyone that wanted some material in terms of reflections for the gospel this week, I would highly recommend the reflections from Pope John Paul II at the World Youth Day in Toronto in 2002. So there was a number of addresses that the Pope gave to the young people at that event. And the theme was salt of the earth, light of the world. That was the lumiere, the monde, was the was the theme for that particular World Youth Day. But back to the gospel this week, and I suppose thinking about it and that question, asking ourselves, how do we bring that Christian flavor to the world that we live in? And it's delicate. It is also unobtrusive. You know, you know, if you think about it, if we're keeping on the analogy of salt in food. Um, <clears throat> it, if you know, a good chef or a good cook, when they're adding salt and pepper to a meal uh, as part of the cooking process, it's there to bring out the flavour of the underlying food. Mm. And that's one of the things, I suppose, that's part of the, the, the challenge that's there at the moment is that the underlying message of hope and goodness from Christianity is has been plastered on so much that it's nuances and it's mm. it's it's goodness for the modern world has been almost overwhelmed and um people are put off like you if you know if you've got a meal that has too much salt you're not going to enjoy it you'll stop eating it um so that from that point of view that's part of the challenge that's there for us in terms of dealing with the the christian message in the modern world i suppose the other side of it is then, the flip side of that to a certain extent is that you are the light of the world. It's a big thing, you know, being the light of the world. John, how do you feel about being the light of the world? <laughs> um, <clears throat> I suppose for me, there's, there, there's a couple of things about that in terms, there's two sides to it. First of all, there's the issue of that you can't be a private Christian. Like mm. we, we have said that numerous times. It's almost one of our go-to expressions here on the podcast. You have to be in communion in community. You cannot be a Christian on your own. It's a contradiction in terms. Mm-hmm. And I suppose, but the issue with the light and being an example for the world is to make sure and to be careful that it's not all just the externals. But I suppose it's that balance between sayings and actions as well, you know, that we are your your faith isn't just the actions it's not just not the sense of having a socialized conscience and worrying about what the neighbors see and be seeing to do the right thing that it must permeate going back to the salt analogy it must permeate into our inner being so that the light that we show to the world is coming from our very core um you know like like uh like some of those images you see of um the Divine Mercy, actually, John. If people know that particular religious icon where the heart, the images of Jesus standing and there's two beams of light coming out of his mm-hmm. heart. Yeah. And it's that idea that, you know, your 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 Christian witness comes from deep within you. It's innate to you because yes. of your belief. Mm. It's not something you do because you have to do or that you're expected to do. It's just it becomes part of who you are. And that, I think, is part of the challenge that's there for us, um, you know, to a certain extent, particularly in an Irish context where, you know, there's a question as to did we just do things for the sake of doing them rather than thinking about them and asking ourselves that hard question, you know. Um, And also, I suppose, the concept that people did it because they were afraid. 
the idea this the that there there yeah. was religion yeah. religion was done by fear yeah and you didn't dare and cross anyone in the path you know but that's an aberration and it's it's a travesty in many respects if that's people's understanding and people's experience of faith because it is so far from what it's supposed to be about so this Sunday, as we pause and we reflect on those two great images, the salt of the earth and the light of the world, see where they take you on your Lexio this week and where, what reflections they bring for you uh, as, as, as you reflect on this Sunday's Gospel. Shane, thanks Nate, for that. So my own thought today, uh, it revolved around actually the expression, the salt of the earth. And as Father Frank Dewick often tells us, uh, Lecture Divina, apply it to ourselves, apply it to our own life. And that's what happened with me. I was reminded of a time earlier in my own life when practicing my faith was challenging. I used to attend Sunday Mass and so on, but it was as though I was hearing the same thing week in, week out, and it wasn't really taking much effect. It was as though I couldn't find any connection with my daily life with the liturgies and the prayers. Then in 1996, a local priest, Father Pat, invited me to join a weekly Holy Spirit prayer group where we were guided through scripture readings. The more I began to be open to the listening and the readings and participating in the meetings, the more I began to appreciate how the Word of God did in fact have a lot to do with my life. And as Father Frank said uh, in this week's lecture this week, um, I noticed my faith was being flavoured. I noticed my, my the... the I, I was seeing the real message of the Word of God in various targets, in various texts. My faith was being preserved from corrupt thinking. And I was hearing pure words from Scripture. That was my experience anyway when I attended that prayer, prayer meeting. My prayer life took a different route. And in now, rather than just saying prayers before, I was beginning to, to pray with the Word of God, practice lecture divine and meditation and that sort of stuff. So for me, this was someone in my life, Father Pat, who was the salt of the earth for me. I was, I was now being offered a new way of experiencing prayer and liturgy of the Mass. So to finish, I owe a lot to Father Pat for, for that and thank God for, for his guidance. But this experience also led me to many years later to become involved with sharing the good news on local radio and, of course, being involved with Shane here. Uh, presented the good news here on our podcast platform, Come and See Inspirations. And I suppose the two things there kind of linked up for me. It was the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And that's what we're trying to do here each week. We're trying to do as best we can, bring the good news that we know. As Shane said, it's in us. It's just part of us. We want to try and share that with people who might be interested in other parts of the world. I know for me personally, if Father Pat didn't offer me resources that I needed at that particular time, I, I probably wouldn't be where I am today in terms of my faith. And I, that might, there might be people out there who just might be interested in, for instance, Shane just mentioned there about um, Pope John Paul II having uh, some lovely homilies and talks in Toronto uh, for World Youth Day. Maybe Shane might be good enough maybe to put up one or two links on our podcast notes this week. And people might be able to link back and see <coughs> a little bit of a lecture themselves on where that might bring them. So that about brings us to the end of our podcast today. Thanks again, Shane, for, for sharing with me and also for bringing Pat Kenny with us to bring us that good news of that very um, sound man in terms of faith, uh, Father Willie Dyles.
So now we'll go out with that final piece of music. And as Shane mentioned about World Youth Day 2002 Toronto, a piece of, piece of music that he, su- he suggested we play today, it's, enti- it's a theme music for that particular World Day, and it's entitled The Light of the World. So for myself and Shane, thanks a lot indeed for joining us. We'll do it all again next week. In the meantime, have a good week. God bless now. Bye. Bye.
So 